almost going to fall for Martinez. Antonov trying to get there. Martinez finishes to give away the match. It's an absolute peach from the Paraguayan, Miguel Almiron. Atlanta United in just their second year of existence have won MLS Cup. Patrick Fennel, JCM Jones from The Mothership and Dirty South Soccer sometimes. Joe Patrick from 929 The Game and Dirty South Soccer is over there. And Joe, once again, still counts. Still counts. Oh, yeah. Oh, it counts. It counts. I, I mean, Atlanta, I didn't realize until I read in Kyle Soto's uh, postgame article from last from yesterday that the result from it, uh, that Atlanta had yesterday moved them to third in the Eastern Conference at the time. <laughs> They're fifth now, but I mean, yeah, it still counts. I'm just generally still recovering from the day that was yesterday, the sports day. It was just insane from start to finish. Mm. Um, my day went Monaco Grand Prix, Tottenham final game of the season, Braves. Phil Mickelson was somehow winning a major during all this. Atlanta United, and then the Hawks, of course, with the uh, the nightcap was a, a beautiful way to finish mm. the night. What a, what a great sports day it was yesterday. But you know, I, I wrote down the show sheet. This was a win. This was a win that Atlanta United had. This one <laughs> one one win yesterday. No other team had taken a point from Seattle at home this year. No other team had scored against. Seattle at home this year and so that being considered you you kind of have to take it that way Joseph Martinez gets the converts the penalty at the end there it gets real quiet in there just like it got real quiet in MSG last night and you know <laughs> it, it's uh it, it's something you know it's something I don't know what it is but it's something we talked about or at least I'm kind of mentioned when Atlanta United drew with Miami and the roles were kind of flipped in that game where Atlanta scored the early goal and then Miami came back and scored the late one that felt like a loss this one felt more much more like you're walking away with the point of course a lot of that is due to the opponent and just the fixture as well where it's a tough opponent to play and obviously a tough place to play but uh kind of funny how just like the timing of the way that things happen in the game can kind of flip how you think about it of course we'll have a lot to dive into on the game and stuff but uh just thought it was an interesting kind of way that it that that game shaped up it was it was and we're gonna get to all of it in just a second first though some housekeeping things you can go ahead and check out some extra audio on the patreon and talk to sam stage call of allocation disorder and the athletic helped us break down the south release the MSPA had uh, last week and we got a better understanding of that I thought the most interesting thing from that was he kind of talked about how Atlanta seemed to be spending more in the middle yeah. than other teams yeah. you know which really kind of caught my eye and I'm not sure he said that wasn't necessarily a bad way to build a team it may be just a little different within the framework right now and you can take your own conclusions as to as to what that means for the team going forward um, also some other stuff uh, coming about Atlanta's front office moves we're going to get Felipe on we promise we're going to get Felipe on we've been saying we're going to get Felipe on since I think the article dropped, but we we have a plan. Last week got stuck in the mud, but yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure. We'll have him on soon, and we'll have so much more coming your way. That's patreon.com slash five stripe final. Now that's over. It's business time. Time Joe Patrick and first things first at Lady United gets the road win 1-1 against Seattle, as you would put it. Anyway, uh, Raul Diaz starts things off in the sixth minute with a headed goal from a corner. Brooks Lennon maybe should have marked better, but Brooks Lennon makes up for it somewhere around the 86th minute when Brad Smith just does a spectacular nonsense and fouls him in the box for like literally no reason. Atlanta hadn't really threatened all game. Brooks Lennon wins the penalty anyway. Joseph Martinez, of course, converts 1-1. 
one. Joe? I am maybe just more confused. My, my biggest takeaway from this might just be that I'm kind of confused why Seattle decided to, to not do anything for 80 minutes. That That's kind of my takeaway, that they scored. It looked like this could have been really, really bad. And then they set back. They tried to absorb pressure, which is fine. That's a very Seattle thing. But they never tried to hit on the break after that. It seemed like they were fine just kind of not parking the bus, but just sitting there, really. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was it was strange to me to see them think, OK, well, it it's a fair risk to assume that Atlanta isn't going to score, but also we're not going to try to score, which probably helped us out a lot. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, obviously we're going to get into kind of the nitty gritty of this game and you know, there's definitely fair critique to have this team in the attack, but I mean, no, I would put a lot of that down to Atlanta United. You know, they do deserve credit for the way that they defend on the counter, especially when teams try to play that Mm -hmm. game. They've got, you know, Anton walks and miles Robinson back there who are two of the best in the league at, at kind of handling some of those types of situations uh and combined with Santiago Sosa as well he does a great job defensively um I really like the way that he seems to be able to communicate with his teammates back there and they seem to have a good sense of who needs to pressure the ball and who needs to be covering in certain situations uh and I and just generally I mean the team you know was dominated the ball in terms of possession and I think you have to give them credit you know we talk about how this team is good and build up but they're struggling in the final third well part of the reason or one of the effects that you get from having such a good build up and being so good in possession is that you are able to limit teams and what they can do to you offensively. And you again, you can kind of predict that they're going to have to try to play a counterattacking style of game and Atlanta United was able to defend it. So, you know, I think that while there is criticism for this team, um, there's obviously some some huge reasons uh, to be positive about them as well. Anton, very good. Miles, very good. Sosa, of course, did Sosa things, cutting off balls in transition a couple of times, just getting in front of passes, disrupting things. And yeah, no, I think Seattle had two shots on target. The first one was Rui Diaz's goal, and the second one came much, much later. So that's that's impressive. Yeah. That's impressive against the best team in the league. And you can't discredit them, you know, for that. It, again, I, I think it's weird that Seattle did take their foot off the gas so much. But even when they tried to get it going again, Atlanta didn't necessarily allow it. I mean, um, Seattle's the highest scoring team in MLS right now. And, you know, still after a 1-1 result yesterday. And it's not even close. I think the next closest team has is NYCFC with 11 goals. and uh, Or no, it's Kansas City with 12. Seattle has 14 goals. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a it's a good defensive performance and it's a good road point to get. You know, it's a it's mm-hmm. a difficult that's probably going to be the toughest fixture on their on their, you know, on the fixture list this year. And to get a point out of that, you got to be happy. Absolutely. Absolutely. We could kind of we're not going to get into it right now because it's all the same stuff over and again. It's, again, analytical purgatory for us going forward and attack. Y'all know what the issues are. We've talked about it a million times at this point. They didn't really create anything. Thank God for Brad Smith, but they do get the point that moves them up to, like Joe said at the beginning of the show, they're about fifth in the East. Uh, and then the four teams above them have played four or five home games. Atlanta's only played two. Plus you consider they've had CCL. That's that's a really solid place to be. And I kind of did some math. I think oh, I can't remember what article it was. Now all the articles <laughs> for the mothership are running together, but I kind of did some math uh, and through the first five games, Atlanta had eight points and that was good to put them um, right about the same pace as the 2017 team and like three points behind the the 2019 team right mm-hmm. so that's that's not a bad place to be in they had another point of course more home games coming more time to gel and their hindsight coming uh, it, it's a decent spot to be in right you just want that little burst of attacking to come in to make it feel a little more more earned yeah i mean this is not the kind of game where you're like hey mom hey dad come watch this uh wa- come watch this soccer game you know come go- <laughs> yeah. it's uh it's not one to to bring home to your parents but you know again like, not, soccer 
is kind of it's a sport that sometimes you have to endure some of the some you know the more boring aspect of it but obviously you know Atlanta United's attack they they need it to improve Joseph Martinez said it after the game saying that you know they know they know they need to create more chances and again it's kind of similar you bring up 2019 uh it's kind of funny how similar it is to that period where they went through this whole month of May where they had clean sheet after clean sheet and it was really boring in the attack but we're all but people were like well they're getting results they're staying you know and they're they're keeping themselves alive because of the results they're getting but that's why I think both you and I are both kind of like okay but can we can we get this to this engine to turn over and finally start to see the goals come in that's exactly right and but something again we want to kind of keep considering this is just the, the feel around the team is so much more positive oh yeah for sure and that may just be because of expectations you know we, we did have such high expectations for what the FDB teams could be and then they weren't and you know obviously he didn't help himself by calling Atlanta fans spoiled and everything like that um but this team comes in with with lower expectations for sure and and so maybe more understanding is there from the fans but overall it does seem like there is just a more cohesive attitude there is a more positive outlook on things from this team and it it seems like to an extent they like each other at least and they aren't you know (laughs) at the coach's throat or anything like that it it just feels better in that sense and it's encouraging to see them come back and and get these late points again we kind of talked about it last week with how you kind of build that culture of being a team that can come back in any situation and make that happen whether it's a little bit of a luck kind of thing or, or not, but they're still getting it done. They're, they're building that culture and that at the very least is encouraging. Yeah. And, and again, I would even go back to if you, it's, it's very hard to describe this as like via a podcast, especially, but just <laughs> in the way they play the game, when they are in that possession phase, um, when they're not really threatening, but they are playing the ball. Well, I do think that having that base, having that building block re- does allow them to be able to push the, the boundaries a little bit more at the ends of games or when they are chasing a goal they at least have some ability to move the team forward and get the whole team um kind of fi- in the in you know playing in the other team's half and give themselves at least chances to for example in the game yesterday hit a diagonal that goes to the corner of the box and you pick up a, a penalty you know that kind of thing they have the ability to pull that kind of out of their ass right now uh <laughs> it's probably not the most sustainable way to play the game but at least you have that fun- kind of foundation to build off of and i think again that's what we're all just kind of waiting to see what what they can turn that into i don't know what you're talking about man it seems sustainable to me to just fall ass backwards in the supporter <laughs> shield yeah it's, uh, would work true. for me man it would work for me um gabriel lines i had some quotes about what this team's trying to do right now and we'll, we'll go to this first one he says what i'm trying to do with my players is try and teach them a certain way there will be some games where we have more chances there will be games when we don't have as many chances and the day that i don't have the trust in the players i'm coaching i will move away so that that's encouraging mm. at the very least right to, to hear that you know he understands that this is a process i think everyone understands that this is a process right now and that's good and that's good that he understands that having that trust is important it's something that maybe frank didn't yeah definitely i mean you like to hear that from heinze he's not getting overwhelmed with the you know the way that his team is playing in the attack of course because i'm sure that heinze wants to see you know he wants to see more goals too uh it's not like he's uh, accepting of this but he's clearly trying to you know build some trust and some confidence in his players and that's always a good thing for sure for sure it's just coming maybe a little slower than we'd like and it's coming a little slower maybe in comparison to some other teams that you know uh we would look around the league and see but again it, it kind of comes back to as well the, the the roster just isn't quite where it needs to be right now um so there you go there you go he also kind of mentioned that he appreciated how the team kind of built from back to front and this one again I, I think that's fair i think that's been fair for pretty much the entire year you would love to see a few 
few more line-breaking passes. Again, Atlanta is second to last in the league in that. I don't think this game really helped him too much with that. But every now and then you see something come from back to front that, that, that turns out pretty nicely. For example, Miles Robinson's ball over the top to Brooks Lennon was incredibly well-weighted, incredibly well-positioned, kind of stopped on a dime for Brooks to get there and cause Brad Smith to lose his damn mind. I, I want to give a, yeah, just a shout-out to Miles. He was carrying the ball forward uh, a lot farther forward than he has so far this season earlier in the game. And then later in the game, he was hitting some nice diagonal passes. So I think just the continued evolution of him and he's just looks so, you know, he's such a he's 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 obviously tall and strong, like this big, physically imposing guy. But he's also very he looks so smooth when he's on the ball. You know, he looks like he can kind of do that thing where he just kind of leans into the opposing player and is able to keep the ball on the other side of him and uh, and just kind of keep the ball safe until he can move it and distribute it to somebody nearby. So really encouraging to see uh, what he's been able to how he's been able to evolve his game this year under Heinz because you know he they, he needs to be able to do that kind of thing in this kind of system and so he and he and my, uh, Anton Walks are both doing an incredible job back there absolutely absolutely so one one draw there some other news to kind of get to though before we get into your questions uh, Lissandra Lopez uh, has left the team he will not be coming back he has ended his time with Atlanta United um, returns home after his father passes away um, we, we send our best to Lissandra uh, but from a, a soccer perspective that's it's also a big loss you, you lose a lot of the depth you would kind of built up at striker yeah this is some of the guys that we talked to this week were expressing just this the sadness of the situation and and also the sadness of you know losing a guy like him from the roster a guy like that can provide so much experience and and ability you know and he, he still has quality in his feet even though he's at an older age um and by the way i don't be surprised to see him i think he will probably sign with another team down there but the the, the thing for him is he just needs to be in closer proximity so it's it's not necessarily a thing that he can't play soccer but he just wants to be close to home and i think that you know everybody here can appreciate that as far as bringing someone else in i wouldn't get your hopes too high up for someone spectacular or anything like that he was on pretty low numbers um that's the problem yeah. on the roster spot it, it, it's nothing that's gonna allow for for a big name to come in um elsewhere uh looks like stephen glass is the, the aberdeen manager stephen glass <laughs> yeah. is looking to bring jack Gurr over there to aberdeen of course lady and i'd have as a partnership we saw Gurr for a little bit at right back when brooks lennon got hurt against chicago he looked pretty solid Interesting, though, that they'd kind of make that choice now, especially when we haven't seen anyone else as backup right back. Um, also, happy late birthday to Stephen Glass. Someone on Twitter, oh. who, not related to Atlanta United, posted a picture of him and was like, hey, y'all remember Stephen Glass? It's his birthday. <laughs> Here he is on a bike for some reason that he won during a soccer game. It was fun. People um, are so into yeah, birthdays it, online, man. I don't remember anybody's birthday. So I apologies, never. apologies. Um, it would be hilarious. I want this move to happen if for no other reason so that both teams are loaning each other's right backs to <laughs> right one another. Backs. <laughs> 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 perfect and then we can make our own like 15 minute long conspiracy videos <laughs> yeah. about how jack Gurr was always going dad illuminati yeah illuminati stuff exactly exactly uh, by right. the way I, yeah. I'll, I'll mention really quickly that Gurr did start for the twos last night so or, or yesterday mm. so i mean i don't know if that's a sign or anything that something might may or may not be imminent but worth noting there perfect perfect it's worth noting that you guys had a bunch of questions after this one we'll get to it right after this quick break and before we get back into the show did just want to shout out 
once again our partners at Lucid FC for bringing you this episode of Five Stripe Final. They've got a new shop out uh, in Buckhead. It's right behind the Whole Foods there. Uh, the address is 3209 Paces Ferry Place Northwest if you want to write that down or Google it or whatever. But I cannot wait to see what they get done there because I think that that shop is going to be um, experiential to say the least. These guys are really creative and uh, I think that it will be more than just a, a place to sell clothes. So that will be really cool. But you can obviously also order from them online at lucidfc.us. They've got their new spring-summer 2021 collection out now, uh, which you can buy right now online called This is a Modern World. It's really cool stuff. The collection brings nostalgic, psychedelic party nights of the past to the new modern lifestyle. Uh, I've checked it out on, on their shop. It looks really cool. The products on this line will be sold exclusively to directly to you on the Lucid FC website. That's where you get it. Uh, they've got unisex sizes from extra small to extra, extra large, and uh, price points from $8 to $380. So there's something in there for everybody uh, and it has just launched and it's really cool definitely would recommend everybody go check out uh, lucidfc.us and maybe pick up yourself some uh, some modern world clothes oh, what a break what a break amazing break best break ever y'all had questions about this we're gonna get through them as quick as we can jake asked and we'll start with this one jake asked how do we fix our set piece woes also does it feel like in my opinion the team is putting together the little pieces to be a good team each week maybe maybe um the set piece woes i i don't really know besides just not leaving a dude wide open like Raul Rui Diaz. I know he's like five seven, <laughs> yeah, but he's also the best striker in the league. Y'all gotta, y'all gotta cover him. Other than that, team is short. Team is short. It is, it is short. By the way, Rui Diaz, that was a nice header. That was, it was a nice meaty header to get that much power to the back posts mm-hmm. um, or back across goal, I should say. Um, yeah, set pieces are tough. It's one of those things. I think that you can kind of refine that in a pretty um, short period of time. I, I, you know, Tata Martino's team had issues at times and they really did focus on it then when I think before the playoffs and, and it really and it did seem to pay off for them. Maybe they, you could use some tactical tweaks. They were clearly I mean, you could see it. They're in pure man marking, which is kind of an old school way to defend set pieces. Zonal marking, which has kind of become famous for a you know Michael Cox from The Athletic uh, has kind of adopted that. But that's you know, that's the popular way now to defend set pieces. And you can see why is because so that you can get more of a you, you can get more of a leap on it when you're not trying to chase an individual. And you could see once Brooks Lennon got beat there, there was no way he was going to recover. It's like once he got beat on his feet, there was no way he was going to be able to jump up and be able to contest that. So, you know, maybe there are some tweaks, but, you know, it's just not something that I'm honestly all that concerned with at this point. Nah, not yet. Not yet. Maybe as we get closer yeah. to the playoffs yeah. and that starts to become a bigger issue, but but not yet. Not yet. As far as the little pieces, I feel like we kind of talk about that every week. Uh, the, the building blocks are, are getting there. They're maybe just being built a little more slowly than, you know, someone like me has the patience for, but you <laughs> should have the patience for it um it's gonna it's gonna get there eventually uh, eventually right yeah i think so you know i think honestly one of the more frustrating pieces of yesterday was uh you know it's like the relationship that bello has with uh with marcelino moreno on that left side just still does not seem to be they do not seem to be in sync with one another and we're like 10 games in marcelino moreno runs like a 10-year veteran catcher who has been <laughs> applauded for his entire career like solely for his defense but can't swing a bat it's it's amazing how slow he looks sometimes it's shocking to see him out in the wing and they are so disjointed right now with what they're trying to do yeah yeah and you know the team only moves down one side the team only like it only goes down the right side yeah at this point as far as moving the ball into the final third and it's not great yeah that needs to be fixed and the times when it does move up the left side is large it's usually bellow who's getting in behind who's creating the width out there which is his job but you know uh, there was one time noticeably in the second half where it was like 
George Bellow playing a one-two with Joseph Martinez, where that's and they were able to play Bellow in behind. But then it's like you have Bellow running in behind, trying to shoot on goal, which is not you know I'm not complaining about that, but it's probably not the ideal situation. You probably want uh, you know more uh, attacking player to kind of be in those combinations. So yeah, yeah. I, th- I think one of our our listeners, Alexandria Seaborn, I think is her name, uh, was pointed out like, what's the point of having having this kind of whip to the fullbacks if they're just not gonna do anything? And it's a it's a good point right now. They are just kind of there and the width doesn't mean anything. You know, they're just kind of there and it's it's not turning into anything useful. We'll see if they sort it out. Allison asks, how do you make the personnel changes needed to make this result sustainable going forward? Also, is Conway dead? If not, why are we still playing Cuba on the last one? We don't know. Yeah, we, we would like to see Jackson. We're on record. Is that um, as far as any personnel changes? I don't know. I think I think the lineup was correct yesterday as far as what we had. I think you said before the game that you thought it was as well. Um, I like Moraney coming off the bench and kind of enjoy that role for him. And again, he looked solid coming off the bench and added a different element. For now, the team kind of is what it is. Yeah, I think that that's the one thing that people would maybe nitpick at is that you could start Mulraney because the team did look better after he came on. But honestly, I think that one of the reasons he looks so good when he comes on is because he does kind of change things for the opponent and he's able to better express himself. Uh, I just feel like in those substitution roles. So I've got no problem with Eric Lopez continuing to start when you have this personnel available but in terms of you know personnel changes a lot of I I really do think that this team will look much much better when Ezekiel Barco's on the field like that that he will give you a lot of the creation and and dynamism that you need in the middle of the pitch where every you know we've heard a lot of complaints and clearly it was lacking Joseph Martinez was basically playing as a number 10 and a number nine yesterday trying to drop in and and play one twos like I mentioned with Bello so I do think that Barco will come into the side and make a big difference but again what we've talked about on this show has always been the same which is that you just don't know how long Barco is going to be able to stay on the field before he before he misses more time with an injury he's only played in three MLS games so far this year only started two of them so when you think actually that Atlanta United's in fifth place considering that you know it's not that bad but again I I, you just need him on the field if you want to play the kind of style that that you want I will say it's probably important to keep in mind too that so many other teams have way more injuries than Atlanta United right now and you know that they are some of them are struggling Columbus for one Toronto as well Uh, but then you think about like even Seattle who's missing Ladera and Morris I don't know you, you just can't lean on the injury thing too much it'll look different but like other teams are handling it that, that's always going to be my take you know and we have this question here from Rick Atkinson which I think is poignant he says why is it such a mystery as to an ETA on the return of Barco and Deab and I think you can probably offer more on the kind of the evolution of how we were told about injuries kind of from the beginning of Atlanta United to now uh, I, I yeah messed around and went to grad school for a little bit and kind of got off the beat but well you would have a better understanding of it. Honestly, one of the reasons why it's such a mystery is because the league does not set rules around what kind of information teams must release. So in other sports leagues, uh, there is more of that. And you've seen like Bill Belichick play games in the NFL where he's like puts Tom Brady on you know an injury list every week or whatever. But um, there because it, honestly, and it comes back to gambling, <laughs> it's like setting lines um, uh, so that, you know, odds makers can, can more accurately set lines on games with players being with having injury news and there's just no such rule that's in place right now for MLS and it's one of the things where if MLS does want to lean into the kind of gambling side which Don Garber has expressed in the past then uh, you would think that they would want to amend these kinds of rules but uh, you know but you can also see why there would be pushback on that because there's a competitive advantage to not doing so so um, it looks pretty you know pretty clearly both of them have like a hamstring pull and we pretty much know that that takes 
anywhere in the range of like two weeks to six weeks, depending on how bad it is typically. So I think that that's what we can probably expect from those guys. We'll see. We'll see. Sometimes those things just kind of pile up on each other and you have another injury that yeah, comes that's the from problem. that injury yep. and then you kind of keep going. You don't even know where the timeline actually starts for that. So don't hold your breath. Don't hold your breath. Um, Ryan Lee, don't hold your breath on this, Ryan. What is it going to take for us to attack up the middle? The answer might be better soccer players, but I don't know, <laughs> man. It's kind of it's kind of rough. Yeah, I, I, we talked a bit to Joseph about this, about him coming back and, and dropping deeper than maybe we're accustomed to, to seeing him doing. But he's done that before. Um, but maybe it comes from a bit more of a place of frustration that he's not getting on the ball when he is pushing the line, if that makes sense. So I, I don't know. Those are the kind of the only things that are turning into attacking chances up the middle. They're they're struggling to get the ball at the top of the box into that zone 14 area um, where a lot of goals come from. An analyst will tell you that zone 14 area is where you want to get the ball in it and you have a better chance of creating from that point. It's just not happening the way you see the best teams in the league do it right now. And it's, it's a struggle. Yeah. And so I think one of the pieces we've already talked about Barco and these guys who will help the team in the attack. But I think that, you know, when it, we, we, we have to admit that when the team doesn't have Barco, there should be somebody else who can come in. And that goes to your point, Sam, of other teams having injuries and being able to deal with them maybe a little bit better. Not that Atlanta United is playing poorly overall, because we've already talked about that. But just in the attack, there aren't really the pieces and the playmakers that are able to, you know, make up for the loss of an Ezekiel Barco. And I think that that comes down to just kind of the depth of the roster in that area. The wingers, the attacking midfielders are not this team doesn't really have a lot of depth there. So, um, yeah, that's just an issue that they're having to deal with. And I I do think that they can rectify some of that this summer um, by making some moves. They're going to have to move some pieces out to be able to give themselves the flexibility to bring in the pieces that might fit a little bit better. So that's why I think it will be a very interesting summer um, because it's not going to be just like you add an Eric Rometty in the summer and, and, and plug a hole. Um, so it will be interesting. But uh, I think that, yeah, that, that I think that's one of the reasons. And honestly, Heinze, it doesn't seem like he's his his style of play is, is huge on like play up the middle in general. Like it's a lot of yeah. like building up through the wings. So we'll see. You do kind of have to work out to end, though, at that point. It's not happening with square balls across the box or anything like that. It's just, it's just not there right now. Hopefully they'll figure that out. Uh, maybe it'll help them figure it out if they can figure out some personnel things here. Jonathan asked how in the heck is Eric Lopez getting the nod over Mulraney and how often do you still think about that first half against Philly? I dream each night about it. Jonathan coming after your boy Elo here. Joe, I think we kind of already mentioned that we do like Mulraney coming off the bench as far as right now. I think that is the best option. Um, Lopez has been pretty anonymous for the most part. I think we were kind of hoping that he may provide something different and that necessarily hasn't been the case. Um, and again, I think if we're talking about the, the half in Philadelphia, this team is, is missing someone like Jurgen Dom right now and missing Ezekiel Barca who are both available in that. And I think that's all it really kind of comes down to. Yeah, I think so. I think I think you're right with Barco and Dan there. And I would also, uh, Eric Lopez had a tough matchup yesterday against one of the best defenders in MLS. He kind of like matched up with New Who for a lot of that game. Yeah. Obviously, getting picking up an early yellow card like he did, and I think it was like the second <laughs> minute is not the best way to start a game because it kind of limits what you can do. And I, I think that Heinze, probably part of the reason of putting Mulraney in there at halftime was just because you don't want to, you know, it's a risk to carry a player who's on a yellow card like that. So, and he was, he was still showing aggressiveness after, even after being booked. So, um, you know, I, I was calling for Eric Lopez a lot in early in the season. I was still, again, as I said earlier, I would still continue to start him and have Mulraney coming in um, off the bench. But, you know, the, the reason I wanted to see Eric Lopez was because I just wanted to see what Eric Lopez could offer. He was a player that Atlanta United spent <laughs> like, you know, a million plus transfer on uh, last year. And, you know, I think 
that you stand every reason to expect expect something um expect talent uh so i i've just wanted to see him and i don't think he's played poorly he's just a young guy who's still trying to figure out you know how how to play mm-hmm. in this league he's like 19 or 20 years old so we still need to have a long leash with eric lopez he's not like you know he shouldn't be getting berated too harshly but you know it's just one of those things where he's in a tough situation where he's now being relied upon to start games for sure for sure and again back to the philadelphia thing um like i said i, I do think that dom probably offers a little more you know just because he's fast he's gonna be Jurgen dom um and i'm not saying that he's instantly gonna come back in as he's gonna come back in and everything's gonna look like that first half in philadelphia but it will make things just a little bit better whenever that is again yeah don't 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 hold your breath don't hold your breath um we had a few different questions i think about bringing in new talent joe you have all these highlighted here why is that well i kind of grouped them together because it seemed like they were kind of all hitting on on a similar theme of like what can happen so pierce asked would it be advantageous for us to look for a decent attacker in a trade with within mls example lafc for Corey baird an effective spot starter and backup uh lafc is not going to do that let's just get out of the way thanks bye right yeah you and you would probably have a better idea like if, if there's anybody that would around the league that might be a good fit for atlanta but you know again it's going to be very tough because of you know lissandra lopez obviously clears a roster spot for this team but he doesn't clear really any allocation money i believe and so you're still pretty much up to your neck there um and what so it just his departure throws things out of balance just a little bit because you have this international roster spot open which is now valuable um but you don't really have the money to bring in anybody who can fill it the way you would want an international slot to be filled so it's kind of it's kind of tough um some people have brought up like someone like danny royer who red bulls has been shopping which i think makes sense maybe from a a personnel like a a profile uh but like again you got to give up stuff to do that i don't know what lady united has to to give up and could give up that red bulls would want to be interested in too that they could afford so you know it's it all comes down to a lot i I wouldn't i don't know i think i think i think an intra-league trade is actually a more difficult move to make at this point than acquiring somebody from the outside uh smurphy asks is there any merit to the idea of poaching proven mlsers from other teams yeah we just talked about that um instead of hitting the south american pipeline again to find dudes i take one dude in (laughs) in hand at this point over what whatever dudes might be in the bush i don't know what that means Uh oh um yeah no again tough to do tough to do moving on what did chris say what did chris, chris said should atlanta still be trying so should atlanta still be trying to use the model of developing young guys to sell to europe seems to add a lot of turnover to a really high turnover league and we've seen what happens when we miss on dp signings would be would we be better off following in seattle's footsteps and sign very good dps but sign them to be in atlanta for a long time i'm, I'm assuming that means like an older ish dp this is obviously worked for seattle for four with four western conference titles and two mls cups in five years but also toronto and columbus have both had a lot of success doing this any thoughts there yeah i think you stick kind of with the brand right like i i think i still think the model is good even if they have missed on barco and et i i do think that is kind of the way to go about it and like you can look at an lafc who's kind of mixed it a little bit you have the two young guys with with rog or jesus christ rossi <laughs> and rodriguez who are not the same person you should not combine both their names uh but then they kind of mix in vela with that as well as their 3dps so obviously rodriguez gone for now um apparently getting into fights with teammates over in spain which rules um <laughs> and you know rossi is obviously incredibly good um so i mean i guess there is something to be said about maybe having your one kind of older guy but right now that's joseph yeah. and it is gonna be joseph mm-hmm. so if you're looking to fill those two other spots i'm okay with going with those younger guys and you know seeing if that works out it should work out you know every team's not gonna necessarily be be columbus and be able to pull 
in uh, an older guy at that point and, and have a couple older guys and still be sustainable that way. It, it may burn out for Columbus kind of quick as soon as, I don't know, someone like Zardes or um, Zillarion kind of trails off when they're older, but that's that's in the future, you know? For now, I think Atlanta's model is fine. Yeah, I've got no problem with, with this model. Um, I like the maneuverability. I like kind of having the feeling like you can move pieces when you need to uh, instead of being locked into a DP. And, you know, part of it is that Seattle's DP signings have generally just worked out. They've signed good DPs, but that's not necessarily because of their age. It's because they were just they have, they were they were good players and were able to perform in this league. But you could also sign an older DP who comes in and is not very productive, and then you're kind of saddled with them and you can't move them, uh, and then you kind of get yourself into a jam. So I like the fact that they're I like signing young players. And I think that it also fits with the way that they're signing managers who are on shorter term contracts, um, so that they can kind of you know have these phases and trend and soccer is just a, a league that is high or, or it's a high turnover sport if you look at if you look at any team like even in europe um your favorite team will probably have had if you look back two years prior will have had a ton of turnover in the squad so that's just kind of the way the sport works players have short careers and they want to move and be ambitious so uh i've got no problem with atlanta continuing to pursue how they're going yeah uh, you just have to hit yeah right? exactly yeah you just gotta hit and that's the only thing that really matters to necessarily what kind of profile you're bringing and you just have to hit you get almiron for two yeah. years you got one of the best you know one of the best players in the league it doesn't matter if he's older or young or whatever exactly exactly and then if he is younger and it works out you do get that payout at the end it's kind of nice kind of a little bonus at the end there um just do it just just hit guys please someone <laughs> please listening, please please help us <laughs> joe I think you're going to need some help too. This is rapid fire. Palm tree ask from the discord. He asked over under how many seasons before we have a fun Seattle Atlanta United match. I'm going to put the over under at four and a half. Go. <laughs> yeah, maybe I probably I'll put it on, on the over. I'm not I'm not convinced that this game will ever be fun ever. No, the two styles are just never going to be interesting. I don't think as long as Smetcher is there, as long as the team plays the way they do. And as long as Atlanta is Atlanta. Uh, Philip Jeffcoat asked, who will be the next person not named Joseph Martinez to score? goal for united oh god these are good um i don't know you got anything miles george, I say george miles. bellow seems to be like the closest he's getting in the box at least and getting some shots off so i'll say george bellow i say miles on like a corner out of nowhere all right kirk chirp street ask how much to loan trey young to the team we need an elite playmate playmaker pulling the strings uh what position is trey let's let's start with that Ooh, i mean i think he's a creative he's got to be a little playmaker he's a 10, yeah right? he's absolutely yeah. a 10 yeah, yeah addition yeah. Totally scoring when out. he needs for sure as far as a loan i think like i don't know 500 thousand tam converted to like <laughs> david stern bucks or whatever just keep they on converting it enough times until it <laughs> becomes obsolete yeah adam silvers even i don't know um <laughs> ryan lee asked who would win in a street fight between lopez and new oh that's interesting okay new who as a fighter is a fascinating concept to me mm-hmm. he's so like out of control mm-hmm. i don't know i feel like he would either knock you out in five seconds or leave himself extremely open on like a really goofy <laughs> ass like backspin match. yeah i think you know the, the obvious answer is kind of new who because of just the size disparity but also you just i don't know there's something you don't want to mess with the guy with the shaved in dash in his eyebrow yeah, there's something there's something true. intimidating about bringing that. that up and, and yet my it, favorite it's my really favorite it's yet. my favorite eric <laughs> lopez <laughs> quality i'm sorry <laughs> okay um tony asks how many yellow and red cards will heinze get this season i think he leads the team yeah in is this two it's close yeah <laughs> multiple it's, uh, he's, he's, i think he's tied with someone the next um, thing is the red card like tata got where he punted the ball yeah. did you see did I'm you really ex- did you see heinze try to like take the ball over his back with it with his 
his heel yesterday when the oh, ball was no, coming I out of bounds. That. Yeah, I did. I did see him like put his arm around the ref at one point and just kind of laugh about his yellow card, which was fun. <laughs> um, man, I don't know. I don't. I'm hoping he gets to like. I think it's like five in the first half of the season, and you get a suspension for the next game. <laughs> yeah. I think that would rule. Somebody was asking if the yellow card accumulation applies to coaches, and I don't know. We'll have to find out. That'll, that'll be we'll my quest out. this year, this week. Yeah, we'll find out from pro. And that was rapid fire, Joe. You got a brave sit. Let's get you out of here. Any final thoughts? Nope, nope, none at all. Just uh, yeah, keep building, keep building to next week. Go team. We'll see y'all Saturday for Nashville. That's a big one. We'll have a preview show up for that on the Patreon. Everything like that. Nashville, very good. I don't feel good about <laughs> this game. Shocker, shocker. Bye y'all. Thanks for tuning in, everyone, to this completely arbitrary internet content.